Hello, good morning, Mosaic, and Merry Christmas to you and your family on this Christmas day. I hope you are all well. I'm so glad you're able to join us for our Christmas worship. Uh, thank you, Ben, for that amazing testimony to God's grace. Our God is, is really, really wonderful and amazing. Um, and there are so many testimonies like that of His grace and mercy in our church. And they're so, so uplifting for me because they show me what the gospel truly is. And um, today, uh, I want to expand upon something that I talked about on Sunday, and I want to give you a little bit more on it. I mean, if you weren't here with us on Sunday, don't worry at all, because it's all going to make sense, even if you weren't there. Um, but today, I want to read you uh, from a passage in Matthew 1, and this is going to be our text for today. And so Matthew 1, starting at verse 18, this is the account of an angel of the Lord coming to Joseph and telling him about the Immaculate Conception, which is to come. And so in verse 18, it says this, Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Uh, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Today, I want to tell you a little bit more uh, about something that I brought up on Sunday, uh, the story of Joseph and Mary. And today, I just want to focus in on just their perspective of what their Christmas was like, that very first Christmas. And um, as we do that, I think one of the things that we're going to see is the beauty of that prophecy in Isaiah that to us, for unto us a child is given, unto us a Savior is born. And, and we're going to see exactly what about that is so amazing and wonderful um, on this Christmas day. And so would you pray with me? Let's pray together before we get into this text. Father, I pray um, that you would show us really the, the wonderful message of the gospel, uh, which was revealed to Joseph and Mary um, over a span of that year. And it probably, you know, it probably wasn't as easy to understand at the beginning, um, but at the end, it became clear to them how gracious and merciful, wonderful you are. Christmas for us, Father God, we want to have the same effect. And so send your spirit so that um, in today's word, that you would show to us and help us by pressing onto our hearts the beauty and wonder of what the gospel is. So, Father, be with us. Send your spirit. Help us to understand uh, what this is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, when we look at this text today, um, what we see is that Joseph and Mary had a messy past. Um, you know, when we drive through the nativity scenes and we see all the nativity kind of scenes in our neighborhoods, what we see is Joseph and Mary always being depicted as this very noble and peaceful couple, um, which is kind of true, but it's also kind of not true. Because when you look at their history, when you look at what they actually went through that year of that very first Christmas, they had a really, really tough year. And um, their year could probably be best described in these two words, scary and humiliating. Scary and humiliating. It was scary because, as many of you know, uh, they were actually being hunted. 
by the king of their area, King Herod. He was looking for them because he wanted to kill their baby. And so it was a really, really scary year uh, for them. But not only that, it was a humiliating year because of the pregnancy, because of the pregnancy. You see, when we get into this text, what you find out is that that year, at the beginning of that year, Joseph had already resolved in his heart, it says, that he would divorce the, the girl that he was going to marry. Now, it was a broken engagement in our language, but in their language, it was tantamount to divorce. So it says that he was going to divorce her quietly. He was a good man, but he had to divorce her, and he was going to do it quietly. He was going to do it quietly um, because divorce in that time, in that area, for that young girl, would mean that for the rest of her life, she would have the scarlet letter on her. And it was going to basically mark her for the rest of her life. This was something that she couldn't take back, he couldn't take back. It was something that she was going to pretty much wear for the rest of her life. And for a young girl in Judea at that time, it would have been a devastating uh, mark on her. And so it says that Joseph, he resolved to do it quietly because he was a good man and he knew what this would do to her for the rest of her life. But at the same time, he knew that it had to be done nonetheless. And the reason that it had to be done was the girl that he was going to marry had become pregnant and she had become pregnant with a kid that wasn't his. You see, he had to divorce her because of what happened, but he wanted to do it quietly. And so he's in this divorce process, and it must have been heartbreaking, and imagine what it must have been for his family and her family. And so he had resolved to do all of this in the midst of all this turmoil that started at the beginning of their year. It would be met with this surprising announcement, the surprising announcement from an angel of the Lord who would come to him and said, Joseph, do not be scared to marry this girl because Mary is not pregnant because she cheated on you. Mary is pregnant because of an amazing thing that is happening to her. She has been chosen um, to receive God himself in her womb. This is a, a lot to swallow. And it says in our text that it took Jesus, uh, Joseph um, some time and it was not easy for him to do that. But eventually what happened is he, he actually decided not to divorce her. He actually decided to, to go ahead and marry her. Now, think about what that meant for this couple. Think about what that meant for this couple for that entire year that they had to endure the humiliation and the shame of their community for going through with the marriage when she had become pregnant with, according to other people from what everybody else could tell, somebody else's kid. Imagine the pregnancy, the entire time they had to be together. They had to endure a lot of difficulty from their community and at the same time hang on to this hope that God was doing something amazing, something that they had never seen before, never heard of before. There was no immaculate conception before then. They had to hang on to this hope that it was real, that it was a real thing, even though they've never seen it, even though they've never heard of anything like it. They had to hang on to the hope that it was real and endure the humiliation of that community. You see, ancient cultures, they had such a keen sense of when somebody was pregnant. 
Um, nowadays, I think we rely a lot on the announcement, right? That somebody is pregnant, the gender reveal, all of these different things. But it, it's like um, how we used to be with directions before Google Maps. You know, before Google Maps, uh, I think we were much better with directions. We had a keener sense of directions back then. But now that we have Google Maps, I mean, it's kind of dulled, right? And we're not as good with directions. My parents drove across country. Uh, when we first came to the United States, they drove across the country with nothing but a folded map in a country they'd never been in. We had a, a, a much better sense of direction, I think, before Google Maps and people before all the science and technology, I think, had a very keen sense of when somebody was pregnant. Now, imagine they know that Joseph and Mary, is they're now married and, and they begin to see that Mary is pregnant. And then even after the fact, they can do the math. I mean, you're about to have a baby and you guys only were married seven months ago, but you're about to have the baby this month. You see, they knew. And, and so that, that means that women would look at Mary's side eye, you know, in the community. That meant that they would make crude jokes of Joseph. I'm sure some people in his community came up to Joseph and implored him, Joseph, what are you doing? You're about to marry this girl who cheated on you. And Joseph would say, she did not cheat on me. She did not cheat on me. God told me that, that there's a, um, an immaculate conception taking place in her womb. Can you imagine what kind of ridicule this couple endured for a whole year? Can you imagine the conversations that took place? Can you imagine all of the scrutiny that was around them? You see, their story had taken a turn for the worse. And their story was marked by humiliation, their story was marked by sin. Everybody thought that they were sinners, that they were stupid, that they were immoral for what they were doing. And in the midst of all of that, Joseph and Mary had to become refugees because they had to leave their home and they had to pack as fast as they could because King Herod was coming to kill them. <clears throat> you see, it was a tough year that Christmas for Joseph and Mary. Um, it was a really tough year. They had endured things socially and they had endured things um, in terms of uh, their community, in terms of their psychology, the way that their emotions were. But all of that was going to change because God was going to keep his promise. God was going to keep his promise that this was the savior of the world. And Christmas meant that there was going to be a change in their story. You see, what does it mean for Joseph and Mary that there was angels singing? When Jesus was born? What does it mean that there was heart to herald, angels sing when um, their son was born in that barn? What does it mean that kings came from afar with gifts for their son? You know what it meant for them? It meant that their story was changing. You see, it, it meant that that entire year of fear and humiliation, of running away and being a refugee in Egypt for two years, all the stuff that they had to endure, it meant that all of that was not for nothing. You see, it meant that all their suffering and all their shame was not for nothing because God was coming to keep his promise. And by keeping his promise, he was going to change their story forever. You see, Joseph and Mary, they were not going to be known for the rest of history as the scandalous couple. They weren't going to be known as the immoral man and the stupid girl for the rest of their lives. They were going to have a different story 
they were not liars and they were not putting their hope in God falsely. They were not fools, but everything was changing for them. You see, in that manger, there was a new beginning for them in Christ. Their shame was going away. It was a turning point in their lives because a Savior had come. And because a Savior had come, their humiliating story, their difficult year was rushing towards a happy ending. And thank God for that, because there was no way for them to save themselves. There was no way for them to do this themselves. Without the coming of God in Jesus Christ, there was no way for them to rewrite their own story. But the fact that he did come, but the fact that this was not just any child, but this was the child of God, it meant that everything was changing. It meant that God was rewriting their story. You know, Joseph, um, he was going to divorce this young girl. And it says in the text that the angel comes to her, to him, and he says, Joseph, you don't have to do this. You don't have to divorce her. You don't have to fear. You don't have to live in this anxiety. And you don't have to try to save yourself through this divorce. You don't have to do that, Joseph. Because you know what? A savior is coming. The very baby in your fiance's womb is the savior who is coming to rewrite your story. Put away the divorce papers. You don't need to try to save yourself because I am come. You see, this is the good news of the gospel for Mary and Joseph. You know, gospel, uh, brothers and sisters, if you're joining us and um, you know, you've been distant from the church or this is your first time at church, your first time in a long time and you're still trying to figure out this whole church thing. When we say gospel, um, it means good news. The gospel means good news. And the good news is that God has come in the form of Jesus Christ to save those who can't save themselves. You see, that's why it's good news. If the gospel was rules and how to live out your life, that's not very good news. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came in the form of man and he came to save us. And that is what is good news to us. And you know, this week, I was just reflecting on that and just reflecting on how good this news really is. And I was reflecting um, through the prophecy in Isaiah, in Isaiah 9, that says, Unto us a child is given, unto us a Savior um, is born. And I realized just how powerful that to us is. And I realized just what was so unique about the us in that. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, um, the thing that I mentioned on Sunday was that Jesus was born pretty much with every disadvantage a kid could have. You know, he was born the wrong skin color when his people were the ones oppressed in the time of the Roman Empire. He wasn't born a Roman, he was born a Jew. He was born under oppression. He was born into the lowest, poorest class. He was born into a refugee situation. He was born homeless, he didn't have a bed. You know, he was born in a tough time in history. But all of that was done to really show who he was with, who he was with, God with us, God with us. Don't you see that what this Christmas story tells us is that God has come specifically to be with the downtrodden, that he has specifically come to be with those people who cannot save themselves. You see, I can imagine Joseph turning to Mary 
as they heard the proclamation and the worship of the angels and the kings coming from afar, I can imagine Joseph looking at Mary as she's holding her new child and saying, Mary, don't you see what this means? Don't you see what this means? Don't you see what that prophecy meant all this time? Mary, you and me, unto us, unto people like us, this child is born. Unto us, a son is given. Isn't that crazy? To people like us, everybody says that we're stupid. Everybody says that we're foolish. Everybody says that we're immoral. To people like us, can you believe it? The mighty Prince of Peace, mighty God given to us, nobody's despised people. Mary, don't you see? Unto us, a child is given. Unto us, the son is born. The glory of the Christmas gospel, my brothers and sisters of Mosaic, families, visitors, everyone, the, the amazing thing about the Christmas gospel is that Christ is given to people who don't deserve him. He is given to people who can't save themselves, who can't do anything for themselves. He is given to people like us. You know, I'm so thankful for Ben's testimony, how he shared about where he came from and where he is now and the amazing gospel that came to him in his life. But don't you see that his testimony is all of our testimonies who have Christ? Because to people like us, Joseph and Mary is saying, to people like us, Christ is given. He is given and he has come to those who can't save themselves. He has come for people who are living in a difficult situation, in the hard places, to people who need him most. Don't you see that a savior, that gift of Christmas, it's an unexpected gift because it's given to the least, uh, <laughs> to the people who you would least expect that it would go to. Because think about the gifts of Christmas. Christmas means that redemption is coming. It means that forgiveness is coming, that mercy is coming. These are not gifts for good people. Do you see that? These are not Christmas gifts for good people. Redemption, forgiveness, mercy. These are not things that good people need. These are gifts that downtrodden people need. These are gifts that sinners need, that people like me need. You see, he has come to give new stories for people who need a change in their story. He has come for unto us, people like us, a child is given. To people like us, a son is born. You see, he's given the people who need him most. That's what Jesus says later on in his ministry. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. I have come for the sick. That's why in O Holy Night, as we've been singing in this season, it says, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is a night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Don't you see what that's saying? That we were living in sin and error that he has come to people who have been living in sin and error, and those people are living in sin and error until he appears, and in him we receive our worth. 
That's a Christmas gift for people who are not good. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. You see, Christmas, the, the Christmas gospel, it means that God steps into hard places for sinners to give us a new story. He comes for people who need a change in their story, for people like us to unto us a child is given, for unto us the Son is born. He's given to people like us. And that I want to tell you is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the good news of the gospel, the reason why we rejoice, the reason why we worship, is that we're not any better than anyone else. In fact, the people that Jesus calls to himself are people who know exactly that they can't save themselves. Because they're the people who want a savior. They're the people who receive him. They're the people who want a savior to come. And he has come and fulfilled this promise to us that in me, I'm going to change your story. That you're coming from sin, but in me, your story is going to change to a story of redemption because he is coming with grace and mercy for those people who need it most. You see, I think that that's the awe of being Christian. The awe of being Christian that we need to revisit again and again, especially in this season. The awe of being Christian, I think, is that we were sinners and that we needed him so, so badly and that he came and he gave us a new story and he gave us a new beginning. And unto people like us, for unto us, a downcast people, for people like us, a child is born, for people like us, a savior is given. That's the Christmas gospel for people like us. You see, maybe you had a really tough year in the midst of COVID. A lot of people lost their jobs. Maybe you had a tough year. A lot of people lost family members. If you have had a tough year, maybe like Mary and Joseph, um, I want you to know that the gospel is that he has come to people like us, people in hard places, people in tough times, people who know they need a savior. It is unto us, unto us, a savior is given. Not to people who overlook him, who don't need him, but unto us, people who actually need him, people who know they're downtrodden, people who know they need help. It's unto us that glorious Emmanuel has come to be God with us. And so, brothers and sisters, I ask you, do you need him? Do you feel the need for him? Do you understand when O Holy Night says, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth? Do you see that? Are you one who needs him? Are you one who has been waiting for him? Are you one who can't save yourself? Are you one who needs a new ending to your story? Well then, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. O oh, hear the angel voices, O oh, night divine, O oh, night when Christ is born. Because in him, you have a new story. In him, you have a new beginning because he's come for people like us. He's come for people, for to unto people like us, a child is given. He's come for you. If you've had a tough year, if you understand that you can't save yourself, 
he's come for you. And today we sing glorious, glorious songs of redemption, and we sing glorious songs of worship. Even though we are unfaithful, we can sing, Come, ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Because a child is born, and that child has come to give us a new story in the gospel. And so sing with me, my brothers and sisters, as we, as we respond in this glorious song, Come, ye faithful, he has made you faithful in grace. Oh, come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him, because he has made us people who receive a king. We don't deserve him, but we got him, because for unto people like us, the Savior is born. Merry Christmas to you and your family. I hope that you receive that message of grace and that message of a Savior given to people like us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you because you came to people who need you the most. For unto people like us, a Savior was born. For people like us, a child is given. Thank you because we needed you bad. And thank you that you came for us. So this Christmas, may our, our hearts rejoice. May our voices be lifted high to a Savior who has come to save those who need it most. We give you all praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.